Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast. This is episode 60. I'm your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, my friend, how are you today? Overheated, Ben. I am overheated. It has been, the last two days, it's been about 105 degrees here, and uh, we haven't even hit July and August yet, so I'm really concerned <laughs> for for what the weather is going to be like here in the next couple of months, uh, not to mention the fact that uh, we haven't even had our first major wildfire out here. And uh, it's uh, we're in drought territory. It's been dry as a bone. And uh, I think we're in for a world of pain. On the lighter side of this, uh, I was reading an article on the heat wave uh, here out west, specifically in Las Vegas, uh, in The Guardian. And uh, there was this colorful excerpt from that piece. Throngs of tourists ambled along the scorching hot sidewalks on the Vegas Strip, and many others lined the labyrinths of slot machines, restaurants, and shops inside air-conditioned casinos. But not everyone is able to escape indoors. I am dying. I feel like I'm going to pass out, said Violet, a woman clad in a denim thong and crop top. Violet makes her living outside the strip, posing for pictures with passerby. She was glistening, both from the body glitter covering her arms and chest and the beads of sweat collecting on her face in the midday sun. Oh, and yes, there is a photo to this Guardian article where you can see this woman in a denim thong and a crop top. Actually, two of them. So that's what's going on here. That's the weather report from uh, out West Bend. How are things in your area? That sounds that sounds grim. I mean, you know, it's certainly a little bit hot over here in DC, but it's not like that. It's not that bad. Uh, not yet. I mean, it's unseasonably hot. It is unseasonably hot, but you know, it's 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 bearable. It's not in the hundreds, so we're, we're all right. Yeah, those people who say, "Oh, but yeah, you know, it's 105, but it's a dry heat." Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done that. I did I did Sherman Oak one year in Sherman Oaks in California in the summertime, reached a hundred and it was like a hundred and nine or something. I was in a car with the, my air conditioning had broke. Um so I uh, was on Ventura Boulevard uh driving with and it in tra- in standstill traffic uh, in a hundred and nine degree heat and uh I had to pull over. I just was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go out, and I went into a coffee shop because I thought, I w- if I stay in here, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna die. Good thing you pulled into the coffee shop. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, Vegas. You know, I've, I've, I've been in Vegas in the summer, and that is not fun. I can't imagine. Like, I have a theory on Las Vegas that Las Vegas uh, is basically could disappear at any moment in a in a in a fireball of electricity and heat. Because that city should not be there. Right. No, it, it should not. I mean, the first time I went to Vegas, you know, as the plane is descending, I'm looking out the window and there's nothing. It's just desert. And then, and then and I can the kind city. of see the city and I'm like, this place is irrational for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, the gambling people go there to gamble, which, you know, as they say, in the long run, the house is going to win. And just the setup. The, the the setup. I mean, it was Vegas was built in the middle of nowhere, basically, so the mob could could open a gambling operation, you know, geographically away, I suppose, from the long arm of the law. Yeah, yeah and it's, so- it's 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 for me, it's like 
it, it, it basically it is what hell on earth looks like. It's something like Las Vegas or or the, any of the surrounding towns, which are which are amazingly worse than Las Vegas. Like I find <laughs> Las Vegas a pretty horrific place, but like you drive into Las Vegas from LA, and you are you're given a a, a sort of a pre, I believe that's a preview of of what the afterlife will be like if you fuck up. Speaking of hell, can we talk about how uh, apparently Catholics who support abortion rights are going there? <laughs> no, just just kidding. There is no hell. But Catholic bishops are in the, the news this week for uh, paving the way for a rebuke of uh, President Joe Biden, who, of course, is a Catholic. He is the second Catholic president that the United States has had, uh, and he is pro-abortion. And so we have this from the Associated Press. U.S. Catholic bishops overwhelmingly approved the drafting of a teaching document that many of them hope will rebuke Catholic politicians, including President Joe Biden, for receiving communion despite their support for abortion rights. The decision, vehemently opposed by a minority of bishops, came despite appeals from the Vatican for a more cautious and collegial approach to the divisive issue, and it raises questions of how closely the bishops will be able to cooperate with the Biden administration on such issues as immigration and racial injustice. The vote was 168 in favor, 55 against. So an overwhelming number of bishops in the United States voting for this, uh, drafting this teaching document. Um, I'll just say this off the top. These men are irrelevant. Their opinions on this uh, are irrelevant. Uh, Nobody cares. No one gives a shit um, what these old virgin men have to say uh, when it comes to giving or denying communion to uh, politicians or anyone else uh, who supports uh, abortion rights who, who seek communion. Uh, this is largely symbolic effort. Real genius move here. A real genius move. The Catholic Church has been hemorrhaging parishioners for decades now. Decades. Yeah, I went, I went and I looked back. I found a Gallup poll saying that it was something like in 2000, the number of self-identified Catholics who belong to a church, it was something like 75%. And 20 years later, it's down to 58%. And, and perhaps more notably, in 2010, it was something like 70%. So like the trend has accelerated in the last decade. So they're hemorrhaging parishioners. Fewer and few, fewer people are identifying as Catholic. And so what do you do in a situation like that when you're losing members, you're losing parishioners? Aha, the U.S. Catholic bishops have figured it out. They're going to deny people who are willfully seeking communion because they support abortion rights. Or that's at least what they're looking to do. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking brilliant to me. I think the Catholic problem, the Catholic Church has a real problem, um, and it's also quite hard to take them seriously on any moral issue, given the fact that they have basically uh, been exposed in recent years as a child raping cult. Um, and I say that uh, as someone who is married to a Catholic who had a Catholic wedding, and had, you know, I don't think the Catholicism is is, is all bad by by any means. Um, but I will say uh, that they don't do themselves any favours at all. This is a prime example of 
how the Catholic Church manages to shoot itself in the foot over and over and over and over again, right? I mean, it's like all they need to do, there's some key reforms that they could make, right? Very key reforms that they could make to, to ensure their own survival in the future, right? One of them, right? Let priests get married, okay? Number one, right? This would This would solve many, 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 many problems if they allowed priests to get married. Number two, allow women priests. Number three... Let people who who are pro-choice receive communion, right? Things like this. These are these are some basic moves that they could do that would get a lot of goodwill from a lot of people, and it would stop an entire generation of Catholics um, from fleeing the church. I mean, most of the most Catholics I know, sort of our age, younger Catholics, are have very 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 serious problems with the church very serious problems i mean you know my my wife does too she was raised catholic um she, you know she she but she has she's has extreme she is not down with the catholic church and what they've done and what they're doing so this is like your target demographic and you're doing pretty much i told my wife about this and she just rolled her eyes and she just said oh you know again you know how 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 stupid can they be I realized the Catholic Church was uh, in trouble about 20 years ago uh, after the, the big Boston Globe expose about how the Boston Archdiocese had for years covered up so many abuses, child rape, and they were just covering it up. Like not only were they not reporting this, this stuff to the authorities, they were simply taking these priests and moving them from parish to parish. Yeah. You know, they're moving them across, you know, to, to other towns and cities, and they weren't telling anyone in the community that these men had been suspected uh, or, or in some cases had proven to have raped children. And they were just shuffling. This is Bernard Law, the Archbishop of Boston, who basically fled Boston to the Vatican. Just so, but I knew they were in, in trouble. My grandmother at the time, this was about 20 years ago now, and she was a lifelong Catholic, and she, she had taught Sunday school. And after that came out, she was basically over it. And I thought, wow, if they lost, They've lost your grandmother, my yeah. grandmother – <laughs> then I don't know. And we've, we've seen, I mean, the Gallup poll that I cited reflects that, which, which goes back 20 years. I was just talking about, you know, you go from, you know, three quarters of your members are actually belong to a church. And now we're down to, you know, 58% or whatever it is. And that number is only going to go down. And one thing I would add, I like your list of things that the, the church could do, you know, allow priests to marry uh, women's ordination that is that is a big no-no. In fact, Pope Francis, right, the, the all-tolerant Pope Francis had an Australian priest defrocked a number of years back because he spoke out in favor of ordaining women into the priesthood. And yes, third, they they should drop this talk of denying communion to, to pro-choice people. And I'd also add, and this is just not going to happen, but they should finally just come around on the gay thing. They, they should just be cool with with gay rights and gay marriage. And I know over the years, Francis has said, like, you know, he he's made these like passing remarks about, you know, who am I to judge and we need to be tolerant and all that stuff. But he's still at the end of the day 
anti-gay. And the fact that he's looked upon, maybe less so these days, but I remember when he first got in there, first few years, people were like, oh, Pope Francis, he's so cool. It's like, his social views belong right in the Republican Party. Right in the Republican Party. And you're telling me that you're down with Pope Francis? I, I mean, uh, here's what I would say. I would say that I I like Francis on his environmental views. That's where I, I have a lot of respect for him on. But yeah, otherwise, the, you know, he's better than the, 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 than the previous bunch. He is very progressive on the environment. And that's one thing I do, I do like about the guy. Uh, but yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of like the church is, again, shooting itself in the foot. When all this stuff came out, I remember my wife and I watched... We watched set. We watched Spotlight. I think it was that was the the movie about the Washington Post yes. and, and the expose. No, Boston, no, the Boston Globe. Yeah, the Boston Globe rather. And then we watched another one about what something that happened in Baltimore and the in in the the church over here. It was pretty much the same story. There was there was a I think it was um, uh, I can't remember. It was a what did he call it? A convent where there was rampant sexual abuse, sexual, sexual like rape and all sorts of horrible things. And it was basically covered up. And that's when my, my wife sort of checked out. She was like, okay, I think I'm done. Um, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know? So it's, I wouldn't say she, she's like not Catholic anymore, but she doesn't, you know, she, she was really sickened by the whole thing. Um, and, and, and doesn't, you know, as a result, doesn't go to church, doesn't like, you know, participate in, in, in a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff anymore because of, because of this and their inability to, to deal with it. Um, I mean, when I got, so when I got married, I had to, here's another example of the Catholic church, like some dumb things that it does. It, it was, they, they were reasonably open to, they are open to interfaith marriage, right? But what they do mandate is that if you're going to do in, interfaith marriage, the person who isn't Catholic has to agree to, to have their children raised as Catholic, right? They have to go, they have to go to all this, uh, you have to go to Catholic wedding prep. You have to sort of, um, you know, agree to have your children indoctrinated in whatever it is that the Catholic church says is the, the truth um and then when you get married you have to sort of you know pledge this when you get married and it's kind of like I, it's like i don't know how it's so offensive to someone who isn't catholic to have to go through this right it's just it, like i found it to be incredibly insulting to like have to to to, to basically pledge my my uh, my children's lives away to the catholic church uh, because i want to get married to a catholic and it's like, do you really need to do this? Do you really need to to exert your authority like this? You know, like this is why people are leaving. Wouldn't it be better to keep your to keep at least one person in the church, right? My, you know, my wife my wife probably still would be up for it if they weren't so onerous, right? They're not going to get me. They're not going to get my kids. But they, you know what I mean? They could still get other members of my family who would be willing to go to church if they didn't do dick moves like that. Exactly. And I had a similar experience. I used to be Catholic until I quit cold turkey uh, <laughs> around the age of 17. So, you know, I was like a couple of months away from confirmation, which is one of the sacraments. Like you become an adult and you you're confirmed, as they say. You know, I remember they were telling me, 
you know, okay, you have to have a, a sponsor for your confirmation who isn't, um, who, who isn't a parent. So you have to have somebody. And they added, and they said, this person um, has to be, uh, c- cannot have been divorced. And to me, that was, and my sponsor would not have been a divorced person anyway. The person I had in mind hadn't even been married. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, you know, divorce is a fact of life. Like, was half of marriages end in divorce or something like that? It does, you know, if you get divorced, doesn't make you a bad person. It just means it didn't work. It, it didn't work out. And and you and your spouse made the decision to move on with your lives. You made the responsible decision. A lot of these people, you know, a lot of people, they get in toxic marriages and then they get out of them and good for them. And the idea that you would prevent them from participating in something like this to me is just completely insane. So that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. I, you know, I had a whole lot of problems with not just their social positions on gay people and, and women's rights and women's ordination, but just the whole, like, just, Ben, you know me, theology, man. Like, it's just <laughs> not the invisible man in the sky, like the, the, a guy who dies on the cross for to redeem the sins of mankind because that was apparently the only way that God could figure out how to forgive all of humanity is by sacrificing his, his son in uh, ancient Judea. Like the idea that the wafer and the wine at communion, which we had just been talking about the, the, the idea that these are the literal body and blood of Christ at communion. Yeah. A lot of Catholics don't know this, by the way. They think it's just, oh, no, they just mean that symbolically. No, 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 no. At a Catholic Mass, when they when they give out the communion wafer and the wine, that has been consecrated. And through the act of what is called transubstantiation, that bread, that wine, becomes the literal flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. That is what they're telling you. And if you say, if you tell a Catholic priest, no, 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 this is just symbolic, you will be told otherwise. So that basically is in a, in a nutshell, all of that stuff is why I'm not a Catholic anymore. Yeah, those are some good reasons. I mean, yeah, I, I have a hard time listening to, you know, I go to, I've gone to church with my family, uh, you know, my wife's family, things like that. And, you know, I would say, look, there's like okay, Catholic wedding prep. I did Catholic wedding prep, right? That was quite, quite honestly, I would say 80% of Catholic wedding prep is probably a good idea for most of the population, right? Or something like that. But then there's the other 20%, right? Where the Catholic, they, then they start telling you what, um, so for example, we were told that, um, uh, you know, God doesn't, the, God doesn't like IVF treatment. So if you want to have kids and you can't have kids and you, you, you have to do IVF, God doesn't like that. So you have to, you should adopt rather than, rather than have that. Right. There was also, we were told that, um, uh, you know, marriage is really important because God, you know, God loved man so much that he made women to keep man company out of man's ribs. Right. I was, straight faced by a, a priest was told us this. He said, you know, that, that's how much God loves man, not humans, not women. Right. And why are women here <laughs> is to keep, to keep us, to keep, to basically to keep men entertained, right. To have something to, to kind of fiddle around with, I guess. 
Um, this is when I sort of I lost the plot in 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 there and almost walked out. Uh, <laughs> once again, I was like, "Look, I know this is going to be tough," but I didn't realise that it was this fucking crazy. But it is. I mean, it's it's sort of you know, I there were grown adults in there, uh, and they were just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," you know, that's good. And you're thinking like, "Really? How much of this do you have to?" I mean, it's, it's crazy. You'd have to be crazy to believe this kind of stuff. But, you know, most Catholics I know, just they just nod and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't actually believe in it, but they, 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 they just grin, you know, they smile and bow and whatever it is and pray. And, but I'm, you know, and that's I'm a, the problem. Yeah. That's, that yeah. is the problem because it's so many people have this attitude that, well, it's always been done this way, right? Like I have. You know, I have friends that, that who aren't religious, but they like not religious at all. Haven't haven't been to a, a, a mass or a church service of any kind, really, uh, other than to have their kids baptized. And it's like, mm. well, well, why are you doing this? And when they to hear them tell it, they're doing it more because it, you know, their their parents expect them to do it. Like, oh, you gotta, you, of course, you have to baptize the kids. But it's just this thing where like. It's it, it's got this inertia behind it, this historical inertia. It's like, like you know, it's always done this, been done this way, and, and it's like when, I, which is when, like, my wife and I got married in a in a federal courthouse by uh, her her family friend, who's who's a federal judge. It was like people were like, huh, <laughs> like what? You're not getting married in a church. You're not getting married by a minister or a priest. And it's like, no, it's just a it just. It can be so easy and even liberating just to break away from that. But so many people are just aren't like they're just like, well, this is the way it's always been done. So we're going to do it, too. Even if we think it's crazy, we're just going to do it to appease like our social circle. Other people. I mean, look, I, I sort of get it. I, I get that. I, I get the idea of having traditions and keeping up with traditions, even if you think they're kind of batshit crazy. I, I do understand that. I think it gives people a kind of a, a you know, like a sense of connection to their parents and their, you know, grandparents and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and I think basically people are kind of, kind of crazy, right? People, you know, most people have some weird thing that they like doing because it's what was always done or, you know what I mean? But like, I, I, you are right. Like it, this stuff needs to be questioned, right? It need, it needs to be questioned, and it needs to be, you know, why are we doing these things? Like, what is the point of of, of this? I mean, you know, like I, I did I did a Catholic wedding. It was great. You know, it was it was really nice. It was it was it was a uh, um, it was fine. Other than about twenty percent of it, when I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not down with this. <laughs> I really don't like. I don't like any. I don't like the rest of this stuff. Speaking of. Well, I, I, you know, you mentioned the word batshit a while ago. I guess that's a segue. I'm trying to force it here, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, that that takes us to what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? I have two this week, just because we really do a disservice to the audience when we only highlight one. Just because the state of conservatism in the United States is absolutely. I, I don't even know. I'm at a loss for words. So who's who's going first here? Yeah, let's let's sandwich them. Let's sandwich them. So you do the first one. I'll do the second. You do the first. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like. Save it. the best for last. I, Save the best for last. All right. This uh, this this first clip is courtesy of Congressman Paul Gosar of Arizona, 
And Gosar has, he's special. Last week, FBI Director Christopher Wray was testifying before the House Oversight and Reform Committee uh, regarding the January 6th Capitol riot. And uh, Gosar had a very interesting characterization of the death of Ashley Babbitt, who was fatally shot at the Capitol by a an unnamed Capitol police officer as she was trying to force her way through a barricaded doorway. And officers were telling the mob that they were telling her and the mob she was a part of to stop repeatedly. And so here's how Gosar uh, asked Christopher Ray about that. Director Ray, do you know who executed Ashley Babbitt? I, no, I don't know the name of the person okay. who. So, do you agree that Ashley, Ashley Babbitt, Babbitt was unarmed? I, I, no, I really can't weigh in on the facts and circumstances of that case. As you may know, that was investigated by the uh, DC Metro's Internal Affairs Department with the DOJ Civil Rights Division and the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the FBI well, was not it's, it's, it's investigative agency. Yeah, it's a disturbing. The Capitol Police officer that did the shooting, Ashley Babbitt, appeared, appeared to be hiding, lying in wait, and they gave no warning before killing her. Question again, why hasn't that officer that executed Ashley Babbitt been named when police officers around the country are routinely identified after a shooting? Comment on that case. It's not one that we've been directly involved in, so I really can't agree or disagree with your characterization. Sounds good. So that's a United States congressman, a Republican, by the way, uh, who is referring to this as an execution. Okay, this woman was there. On January 6th, along with a bunch of other people, trying to violently overthrow the republic, essentially. She believed Trump's lies about the election being stolen. She got whipped up into a frenzy by Donald Trump, who, by the way, earlier that day, spoke at a rally in D.C. and encouraged attendees to go march to the Capitol and, quote, show strength. They breached the Capitol. They were violent. They attacked police officers. One of them died of a stroke a day later after being sprayed with some unknown substance. And Ashley Babbitt trying to force her way through a doorway, you know, as mere yards away, members of Congress were barricading themselves in their offices. The mob was chanting, hang Mike Pence. And Paul Gosar thinks that his big question is, why was Ashley Babbitt killed that day or executed as the the word he used? Like, my question is, why wasn't more live ammunition fired? Right. It is incredible that only one shot was fired that day as a mob, as a mob stormed the United States Capitol, the seat of the legislature of the United States with the motivation to overturn the election. It is amazing that only one shot was fired. And the fact that this guy is trying to spin this as some type of nefarious act, an execution, if you will, is absolutely ridiculous. It is. I mean, you can see from the video, um, I mean, this Ashley Babbitt woman, she's clearly completely deranged. You can see from all the history of social media, her rants on social media and on um, uh, very, I think there was some YouTube videos of her. I mean, she's completely insane. And you can see from the video that she's trying to get through a locked door. She's trying to break through the window and go through the door. And be, she's been repeatedly told to get back, right? And there were armed police beh- like behind the door whose job it is to protect members of Congress, right? So 
I don't usually agree with the police shooting people. Under most circumstances, I think, you know, if you can avoid using lethal force, I think you probably should. But in this case, when you have a mob trying to overthrow the government, yeah, I think it's justified. It was a good shot. I'm reminded of our late friend and colleague, Ches Pazienza, who wrote a story about uh, one of the Oregon militia members who was killed by federal agents some years ago. And the headline of his piece about this was, Oregon militant Lavoie Finicum isn't a heroic martyr. He's just a dead idiot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and this is, I think, <laughs> I think that is absolutely perfectly applicable to Miss Ashley Babbitt. I mean, look, again, just to finish off here, like, it's not to say that you should celebrate the death of somebody like Ashley Babbitt. Obviously, no. it's incredibly no. sad. Like, it's it's very sad to, to, that someone threw their life away for, of all people, Donald Trump. And not only just Donald Trump, but a complete lie that he told, right? It's a it's a tragic story. And, and I feel very sorry for... I, in many ways, I feel very sorry for her. And I feel sorry for her family. Um, but yeah, she's no martyr. She's an idiot. She's a victim of Donald Trump's lies. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, yeah, more than anything. That's why she was there that day. She was there because of the big lie. And these Republicans who and, – and Tucker Carlson too, who we'll get to in a moment after your what crazy fucking thing, they have been pointing to Ashley Babbitt and asking questions like, oh, why did she die and all this stuff? And you know, she was executed and who's the officer? It's like she's there because of Donald Trump, the guy up whose ass you have been for the last five years. That's why she is dead. Yes, well said. Okay, so my what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week is our good friend um, Ben Shapiro. So during the um, New York City Democratic um, mail debate this week, all the candidates on stage were asked what they would ban if they if were they elected. Ben Shapiro retweets this from a guy called Sam Raskin, and Sam and Sam Raskin has a rundown of what all of the Democratic candidates said that they would ban. Uh, Wiley says sugary drinks Donovan food deserts neighborhoods with no parks Morales says ban bodegas without fresh fruits Yang says ATVs Adam says schools not having farms gardens on rooftops Garcia says corn syrup Stringer says school lunch junk food and Maguire says healthcare deserts Ben Shapiro's Ben Shapiro retweeted this and said notably nobody said crime <laughs> so let's just think about that for a second let's just think about that for a second okay so what should we ban in new york city right what should we ban and ben shapiro's great idea is that we should ban crime because crime isn't already illegal this just goes to show you what liberals are up against in terms of the conservative intellectual heavyweights that are on the other side i mean if this revelation from Ben Shapiro didn't put the left on notice. I don't know what will, because this is galaxy brain shit right here. The, the, the right's premier intellectual, Ben Shapiro. I mean, Edmund Burke lives, Ben. Edmund Burke lives. He, he really is regarded as sort of like the, the, the sort of the numero uno intellectual extraordinaire in right-wing circles. 
it, it, it is true. I mean, you know, every single, every conservative uh, has a sort of, you know, Ben Shapiro owns a liberal. Ben Shapiro, you know, he's one of the most cited people on Facebook. He's, he, I mean, he's big news, Ben Shapiro, apparently. And every time I listen to him, I'm deeply unimpressed. I think he's not stupid. I don't think he's not, he's not a stupid guy, but he's not, he's not an intellectual, not as I would understand an intellectual. Like the modern conservative movement is 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 so anti-intellectual at the at the moment anyway, um, that being an intellectual is it, sort of an oxymoron really. You can't actually be a conservative intellectual, right? The, the, the you know, then you'd be a liberal. There's a great book about this. It's from the early '60s by Richard Hofstetter called "Anti-Intellectualism in American Life," and it it just traces this. The, the anti-intellectual strain in American culture and society, basically from, from the founding, you know, and the founders were intellectual, you know, and some of them were conservative. Some of them were liberal, I guess we would say in, in today, but like, you know, the founders were basically eggheads <laughs> and they, they would not be looked upon favorably by many Republicans today. If you were to you know, transplant them into a, a modern context. But yeah, Shapiro is a big deal. As you said, he routinely has like the top, normally at least a couple of the top performing Facebook posts, you know, and this is another thing. Conservatives love to complain about big tech and how they're being censored. You, Nonsense. Yeah. You look, just look at the top performing posts on Facebook. It's mostly conservative shit. You know, like nine out of 10 or sometimes 10 out of 10 of the top performing posts will be from like his uh, his website, Daily Wire, uh, Fox News, Dan Bonja, Dan Bingo, Bongo. Uh, I don't even know who that guy is. I I refuse to pay him any attention. (laughs) So I, I don't know who he is. Yeah, he's a he's a Fox contributor. I think he's getting his own show on Fox. Oh, uh, coming up. So, yeah, we, we might uh, yeah, he, he might have to be on our radar more, unfortunately, Ben. Brace Sadly. yourself. All right. Um, OK. All right. So back to me for my bonus. What crazy fucking thing? <sighs> Speaking of people who have to be on our radar, I'm just going to play the clip. I'm not even going to introduce him. Speaking of January 6th, why there's still so many things, basic factual matters that we don't understand about that day. Why is the Biden administration preventing us from knowing? Why is the administration still hiding more than 10,000 hours of surveillance tape from the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? What could possibly be the reason for that? Even as they call for more openness, we need to get to the bottom of it. They could release those tapes today, but they're not. Why? We ought to be asking those questions urgently, because as the attorney general reminded us today, a lot depends on the answers. And at least one news organization is asking that, Revolver News. It's a new site. It's turned out to be one of the last honest outlets on the Internet. A new piece on Revolver.News suggests an answer to some of these questions. We know that the government is hiding the identity of many law enforcement officers who were present at the Capitol on January 6th, not just the one who killed Ashley Babbitt. According to the government's own court filings, those law enforcement officers participated in the riot, sometimes in violent ways. We know that because without fail, the government has thrown the book at most people who are present in the Capitol on January 6th. There was a nationwide dragnet to find them, and many of them are still in solitary confinement tonight. But strangely, some of the key people who participated on January 6th have not been charged. Look at the document. The government calls those people unindicted co-conspirators. What does that mean? 
Well, it means that in potentially every single case, they were FBI operatives. Really? In the Capitol on January 6th? Nope. And by the way, I'll just point out, and, you know, could have had a third crazy fucking thing Republicans said this week. Tucker Carlson was saying this uh, on a night where earlier in the day, uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert said in a floor speech that we need to know what the FBI knew and when they knew it. And he was he was floating the same garbage. He was floating the same bullshit from Revolver News, which Tucker Carlson refers to as like one of the last like real news sites. Like it is a fringe. It is a far right fringe website that traffics in conspiracy theories. So like regarding the whole unindicted co-conspirator moniker or label that Carlson is citing in some of the charging documents of these suspected capital rioters, you know, a, a number of legal analysts have pointed out, one told the Washington Post, quote, there are many reasons why an indictment would reference unindicted co-conspirators, but their status as FBI agents is not one of them. And, you know, th there, are a lot, there are several reasons why people would be referred to as unindicted co-conspirators in charging documents. Like, you know, one is th the government is, does not know the identity of an unindicted co-conspirator. Another is that the government is not prepared to bring charges against an unindicted co-conspirator. Uh, federal prosecutors generally do not bring charges against someone unless they have that person dead to rights, unless they are very, very, very confident that they can get a guilty verdict in the event that it goes to trial. Another reason someone might be referred to as an unindicted co-conspirator is because maybe that person is cooperating with the government to provide them with information in exchange for avoiding an indictment or some other form of leniency. I, I, I've also seen some people have referenced the plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. And they said, oh, the FBI was involved in that. No, the FBI had infiltrated the group that was seeking to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and possibly kill her. They used a confidential informant. They saw social media chatter about violently overthrowing the state government in Michigan. They were able to flip one of the people who were involved, who was involved in this. And that person was a confidential informant. And it is quite possible that the FBI had informants at the Capitol that day who were not FBI agents, but people who they had managed to convince to work with us, provide us information about the or the three percenters or the oath keepers or who the proud boys, whoever it is. So it won't sh it will not shock me at all to find out that the FBI had several confidential informants among the crowd that day. But this idea, this this insinuation that the FBI perpetrated January sixth is complete bullshit. Right, and it's kind of you know this is it's one of. Tucker Carlson, this is one of the worst things that he's he's done. I mean, and I say this, and he's done a lot of terrible, terrible, terrible things. But it's so reckless, it's so irresponsible to 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 flow something like this, and he, which he knows is he he knows that this is nonsense, right? But it's red meat for the red hats, right? It feeds into these dangerous conspiracy theories that floats around in right wing circles. He's the kind of icing on the cake, you know. When Tucker Carlson gives permission for these things to to to, to kind of 
spread around, you you know that it's this is something that the Red Hats love, right? This is something that it's going to, um, you know, it's going to permeate every every single aspect of the Republican Party now on, right? It, it, it's throwing red meat to the base. It allows them to continue this notion that. Uh, you know, there's a big conspiracy theory against Trump that the election was stolen, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, it, I, I, when is Fox News going to rein him in? I don't, under, I don't know. This is, I mean, it's really, really, really awful. Like, there should be a mass advertiser boycott because of this, but of course there won't be. Because, I mean, he's basically found himself this niche now where he's untouchable. He can say pretty much whatever he wants and Fox News isn't going to fire him. Well, if you look at his ads, I mean, it's it's every break is basically the my pillow guy. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not a lot. Of, you can probably count on like one or two hands how many different companies uh, run ads during his show. Yeah, you can't you can't make. Um, but but I mean, he is the number one guy on Fox News, so uh, he brings a lot of viewers to other people's programming as well. You know, he still has a lot of power. So, I mean, I don't think you can't just target Tucker Carlson. If you're going to do an ad boycott, I think you've got to be like, okay, you you know, you boycott absolutely, you boycott the entire network until they get rid of Tucker Carlson. That's the only way to to do this. But they have to get rid of this guy. I mean, he's completely nuts. I mean, he's not nuts. He's not nuts. He knows what, he knows exactly what he's doing. He, He does. And that's the worst. And sometimes I even see it. Sometimes I can just the way he talks, you know, he'll, he'll have some, he'll have some guest on spouting just objective nonsense. And then he'll wrap up the interview and he'll say something like, wow, that is so important. Thank you so much for sharing with that with us. Thank you. Right. Thanks for being here. And it's like, you're looking at this and you're like, this fucking guy, he's, this, this guy, is a yeah. performance. This is a performance through and through. So, you know, one of these days we'll do an episode without uh, mentioning Tucker Carlson. I think we did like a few weeks ago, maybe, but I I can't remember. I just, you know, Ben, I have to say you, like a year ago, you were telling me this guy, you know, is dangerous. And and you were saying, all right, we should talk about this. And I was like, oh, do we really have to? Like, you, you were on this. You're like, no, this guy is on another level. He's a, a different, he's basically a different species when it comes to right-wing conservative pundits and uh you know unfortunately you you've been correct it's it's it's, uh, it's yeah i it's one of these times where i i i hate i hate being right about this i hate having been right about tucker carlson from quite early on that this guy is incredibly dangerous and he has he has his finger on the pulse he has his finger on the maggots the maggots love him and he he basically he's able to act as almost a kind of a unifying force in the Republican Party where he's respected enough by other other conservatives to make sure that there are, there's a connection between the maggots and the you know the more traditional conservatives Tucker Carlson is that bridge he speaks to both side he speaks to both both parts of the Republican Party and he basically yeah he is the he if you want to know what's going on in Republican circles what is the Republican Party thinking you 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 watch Tucker Carlson that's what they're thinking well, that's what they're being told. They're, they're not doing much thinking. Tucker Carlson's viewers aren't doing thinking. Their thinking is being done for them. Well, yeah, Tucker Carlson, like Ben Shapiro, is apparently he, he's he's another one of these. Um, he's another intellectual heavyweight in right wing circles, which is incredibly sad to, to to say that. Sad. Sad. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Again, we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. If you would like to, uh, yeah, subscribe to us. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on iTunes, or you can just sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already. Uh, also, please support the banter. You can get a um, discount on a banter membership. That's what pays the bills around here. We'd really appreciate that. You can click on the nice red button in the email. Um, that would really help us out. So much appreciated if you're enjoying the podcast. You, you know that would be that would be great. If you're in California, don't get roasted to death like Michael is. Because yeah, I'm concerned about you, Mike, my friend. Like I, I want to make sure that you're. You know, we want to keep the podcast going. I don't want to find out next week that you've been uh, in, incinerated. In, <laughs> incinerated. But yeah. Anyway, we'll be back next week. And uh, yeah, have a a great weekend.